Welcome to Getting Through It, where we're here to help you get through it. I'm John Bwery, and as always, I'm with a recovering control freak, Dr. Lucy Jones. Today's episode of Getting Through It is sponsored by individual listeners just like you as a project of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Would you consider sponsoring this podcast too for as little as $5 a month? Because that's how it continues to be here for you week after week. It's simple. Just go to patreon.com and search Dr. Lucy Jones. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And now let's get to it. This week, as we've seen a few times already this year, there are active volcano erupting in several corners of the world from Africa to Iceland. The eruption in the southwestern Iceland that has been going on for a couple months that we've talked about before has recently sent lava fountains a thousand feet into the air that can be seen from the capital of Reykjavik. But the deadliest was in the Democratic Republic of Congo. So let's start there and see what's happening. Lucy, what's happening in Africa with the volcano? Okay, we're seeing an eruption in the East African Rift Zone. It's actually a place where we're eventually going to be forming new ocean floor and Africa splitting apart. This volcano is one of the deadliest in Africa. It has very liquid lava that can't be outrun. Volcanoes can give warnings, but you do need to measure those phenomena. There's a volcano observatory in the Congo, but it's in bad shape. Funding from the World Bank was discontinued because of allegations of embezzlement. And it doesn't look like there were many physical changes before this eruption anyway. And so the lava has gone out. It stopped before the biggest city, but ran through many villages and killed quite a few people. You can't stop a volcano from erupting. And in this case, a large city lies in the known path of the lava. It's that human nature to want to control this that's really at play here, right? It's why we turn to scientists and engineers to, quote, fix things. We know we can't stop the volcano or the earthquake, but we do work to manage on the short term these kind of issues, especially things like floodwaters, right? That's something that we can trick ourselves maybe into believing that we can control, but in fact, all we're doing is managing. Dams are the classic image of human beings controlling nature and making things safer. And they really do work on the short term. Annual floods get controlled uh, when you put a big dam on the river. But we've also discovered over time that they have limits. I mean, the fundamental geologic processes that go on of erosion and sedimentation through rivers is not stopped by putting in the dam. And then when you have the dam or a levee, the sediments build up behind them. You raise the bottom of the riverbeds and you can lead to worse floods in the long run. The 1927 Mississippi flood was a devastating event in part because the bottom of the Mississippi had risen as sediment was trapped behind the levees. And when the levees then failed 100 years after they were built, the water went downhill, which was into people's houses and fields. In the long run, if you remember that, if you take into account the geologic processes, you can handle it. When the 2011 Mississippi flood came through, they had the same really high water levels but they had developed areas called spillways. So as the levees were threatened, they opened the spillways and directed the flood water into a different direction. They flooded those fields, but kept them from failing within the city. And that's the key here. You can't stop the geologic process. You need to understand it and then find a way to redirect the outcomes of those processes. 
That reminds me of our work here locally to control debris flows coming out of our local Southern California mountains. There's ranges all over here, earthquake formed mountains, right? And they all mostly have debris basins at the bottom of them to catch the runoff, the mud, the debris, the water, the sludge that comes out of the hills when it rains. And it's being exacerbated by climate change and the increase in fires, which means that the hillsides more is running out. Their functionality isn't what it might have been because of the changes that are happening in our natural world. Even before those changes, they were built saying, oh, look at 1938, look at this devastation, we'll catch what came out in 1938. Whatever system you put in place, there's going to be a bigger one at some point. Erosion is a fundamental process. These mountains are coming down and trying to stop that and block it up is never going to work completely. We always will have a bigger storm that will overwhelm their capacity. And now we have millions of people living below them. And that gets to another policy here locally in Southern California that really takes this manage, not stop approach with the disaster. And that's the Alquist-Priolo Act, which basically says, we know we can't stop the earthquake or the earth from moving, but we can make it so the damage isn't as bad. The Alquist-Priolo Act says, don't build on an active fault. When an earthquake happens, you slip on a fault and produce shaking. The shaking goes everywhere, but that fault rupture is only on, pretty much, on active faults. And therefore, the act says you could build near a fault, but make sure it's not running through your house. Because we can build a house strong enough to not fall down and shaking, but we can't stop the fault from moving. And if that's in your house, your house gets torn apart. I look at this and I just say, management works best when we're realistic about the geologic forces involved and we don't try to change the earth. We can't do that. We can only learn to live with it. And it really comes down to all natural processes, not just geologic. It's like the vaccines for COVID-19. The pandemic was a result of too many people living close together in cities. And that means the virus was able to mutate and spread into a global pandemic. We used vaccines as a fix, but that doesn't stop another virus from spreading, creating another pandemic. The origin of the virus itself is a result of too many people. Population growth has pushed more people into the interface with wildlife, making it easier for viruses to jump between species. That's always happened, but it's going to become more common as we have that many more people in that interface and susceptible to the processes. Pandemics are indeed a natural process to reduce populations. When you get overpopulation of any species and they get crowded together, you get diseases that evolve and break out and kill off a lot of that population. The population goes down. It's a natural process that manages overpopulation. When it's with human beings, we don't want the suffering of all those people. We don't want them to die. I don't want to die. And we develop vaccines. It reduces the suffering and that's good. But it hasn't solved the fundamental problem that our population is starting to exceed the capacity of the natural systems to handle us. We've interfered with that natural process that would have reduced the population. And we need to find another way of managing that intersection of people and nature in a way that doesn't cause a lot of suffering, but also accepts the limitations of the earth. You know, as we're talking, it's just in the back of my head, it begs the question about our biggest risk, and that's climate change. We know we can't stop it. We have to manage it, and for generations, or it's going to get the best of us in a way that the pandemic sort of teased us, but with a very different result. 
if we really don't do anything about reducing carbon, we will have temperatures high enough that we will melt all of the ice. We will put many, many cities in the homes of a billion or more people underwater. We will create large parts of the earth that are too hot to live in. There was a time when we could have actually stopped it, but it would have required incredibly aggressive action to not continue burning fossil fuels. Now that we've left it until too late, we can't stop all of it. If we keep on burning carbon, we're in trouble. We have to go at reducing carbon as much as possible, but we're also going to have to learn to manage this increased disasters that are gonna be happening to us. You know, the US is planning a big investment of infrastructure. It is imperative that as we plan this, we plan for the bigger storms, the greater climate extremes that are now inevitable. The choice to manage really is ours. That's what this whole conversation is about. And it's a choice that we need to make together because managing the natural environment takes our communities working together. So we'll leave it at that for now. And until next time, I'm John Bwery with Dr. Lucy Jones and you getting through it. Getting Through is a production of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Visit us online to get past shows or become a sponsor at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Our music is performed by Josh Lee and this closing music is written by our own Dr. Lucy Jones.